Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Monday, June 20th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Calling all bargain hunters. Stores have too much stuff and will be cutting prices soon. Large shipments of electronics, outdoor furniture, and loungewear that people wanted during the pandemic are finally coming in, two years late. That means that retailers that can't hold big items in their inventory will be slashing prices. Rachel Wolf, consumer trends reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for where and when to look for these deals. You just have to wait a little further into summer. Next, there's a whole swath of young kids that have never known life without COVID. Their formative years were spent masking and social distancing, and the long-term effects remain unknown. Studies and observations show that some kids are behind in speech, motor, and social development, and could need counseling, speech therapy, and other support to adjust. There is optimism in the resilience of young kids to adapt now that things are a little bit more back to normal, and in some of the positive effects like spending more time with family. Anna North, senior correspondent at Vox, joins us for how the pandemic affected the country's youngest children. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. All those goods that everybody wanted and couldn't find during the pandemic have finally arrived two years too late. And so retailers are having to find ways to quickly get rid of the things that people are no longer buying. Joining us now is Rachel Wolf, consumer trends reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. I always love these types of stories with plenty of advance notice. So especially in this time right now of high inflation, high prices everywhere, there could be a chance to uh, be getting some uh, some good discounts on uh, a lot of popular goods that were things that were popular during the pandemic. So we're seeing retailers getting their shipments finally, all of the stuff that was hampered by supply chain issues and whatnot throughout the pandemic. They're finally getting all their shipments. And uh, what's happening to them is they're going to have a lot of overstock of things. We're looking at places like Target, Walmart, and Macy's announcing that they're going to be uh, having uh, deals on outdoor furniture, loungewear, electronics. So, Rachel, what are we seeing with this? How can we find these deals? So, discounts are coming. Uh, there is a bit of a reprieve, if that is, you're in the market for things like couches and big appliances. So, right now, it's concentrated to some specific areas, but basically, all those goods that everybody wanted and couldn't find during the pandemic have finally arrived two years too late. And so retailers are having to 
find ways to quickly get rid of the things that people are no longer buying. It's like classic supply and demand. So now there's too much supply and too little demand. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the weather's nice. Americans are getting out to do all those things they couldn't really do throughout the pandemic. You know, going to concerts, eating out a lot, travel, even though all that stuff is very expensive right now. But everybody's looking out to start doing those things again. And retailers are going to find are looking for these ways to bring them back, to start buying stuff again, as I mentioned, especially in all this uh, tumultuous time. Um, so for them, I mean, they've been waiting on all these things. This has been just product that they haven't gotten. So they've taken a hit. They need to recoup some of these losses somehow and their warehouses just can't sustain having all this stuff especially as they keep getting new things for the new seasons exactly they really need to get rid of the stuff that they have too much of now so that they can keep getting more stuff in and you know they don't want to have last season's clothes on the shelf any longer especially loungewear you know that you might not see as big of discounts on office clothes because people are actually buying office clothes as everybody returns to work. But the pajamas that we were all wearing (laughs) for a while, uh, you might be able to get some good deals on those, the analysts I spoke to said. I mean, that's a new subset of fashion right now. Everybody's wearing loungewear to everything pretty much. So it's always a good... Right, yeah, it depends on the loungewear, yeah. It's always a good time to to kind of stock up on some of those things. Um, Consumer electronics, that's another big one that uh, we'll be getting some good overstock discounts on. What are we looking specifically? What are we looking at specifically in that realm? So the chip shortage is showing signs of abating, which means that items such as TVs and laptops might be on sale, uh, especially going into the holiday season. You know, it's a feel-good purchase for a lot of consumers. And, and, you know, to be clear with all this, we're talking about bigger items, right? You said furniture, consumer electronics, some of this loungewear stuff. It's not going to affect the prices of everyday items, the things that are really subject to the inflation and all this other high prices right now. That stuff's really going to stay the same. So the discounts are going to be concentrated on wants rather than needs. It's not going to be the price of chicken where you're seeing sales. It's much more likely to be an air fryer because a lot of people already bought an air fryer during the pandemic. So, you know, look for those larger items that take up more space in warehouses, look for seasonal items that, you know, they're wanting to get rid of. And technology can also have a season where they're wanting to get the new class of TV on the shelves. So last year's TV might be on sale. Right, yeah. Uh, And one other uh, place to look where there might not be the sales are luxury items. Luxury items are still going to be in the same class that they've been in, high demand for some of that stuff, limited supply. So that stuff will probably still be the same price. So then how to look for all these deals? Because uh, you made mention, you know, uh, uh, it's like places like Macy's, Target, Walmart, they might have some of these deals, but not just yet. Think about July 4th and later on into the summer. Exactly. So you might start seeing some of these sales. You know, you might see patio furniture on sale now, but the analysts that I spoke to are betting that the sales are going to ramp up if you wait a little bit longer. So they were expecting really to see them advertised in earnest starting around July 4th. One person I spoke to uh, who's a retail analyst said that he's going through a home renovation right now and he's going to wait to make large purchases until the fall. You know, there's no guarantees, but he's betting from his expert opinion that he'll be able to get better prices then. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a story for the deal hunters, right? You got to look for this stuff. It's not going to just kind of fall into your lap. And you had a really good note in the article about how bigger metro areas 
could be poised for higher discounts because, you know, they have really population dense, right? And so they were ordering a lot of extra stuff based on the demand at that time. So, you know, if you might not exactly. find it in your local one, you know, look to a big city. You might have to take a drive or something, but you could be getting those deals there. Exactly. So it's not necessarily going to be evenly dispersed and it's not like, you know, you're just going to see deals, deals, deals on every corner or we're still, you know, an expert said that they're not sure if the deals will price of goods to pre-pandemic levels, you know, or if it'll just be cheaper in comparison to what we're seeing right now. Last thing you mentioned, don't expect discount retailers to go lower on prices. So should we be sticking with these top three and and just kind of the big the big guys on this target, Walmart, Macy's and others? So it's not going to be only those big three retailers, but the experts I spoke to said to look for places that maybe make their own brands of clothes and furniture rather than relying on secondary suppliers that they can pass those costs on to. So one cited a retailer like West Elm that makes, that has their own line, they're going to have to get rid of any furniture that they can't sell. They can't just send it back to another brand. And yes, the discount retailers won't see this overstock for another year because they'll see the benefits a little further down the line. Right now, they may actually have a little bit less supply than they would like because they're operating about a year behind the big box stores. Gotcha. So, you know, last year, the big box stores didn't have enough inventory. So this year, the discount stores, you know, they're doing fine, right. you know, with people wanting still as good deals as ever, but... <laughs> Right. Well, start, you Probably know, not increase start, uh, start getting ready to hunt for those deals. I, I text my wife the story earlier and said, hey, you know, get ready for summertime so we can start looking already. So uh, keep, <laughs> keep an eye out for all of it. Rachel Wolf, Consumer Trends Reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast, I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. 
Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot of thinking around just how kids learn and how they learn in a social environment and how they learn to be part of a society and how important that can be in this sort of intangible way for all their other types of learning. And these are kids who kind of like weren't part of a society yeah. for a little while or they were part of a really tiny society. Joining us now is Anna North, senior correspondent at Vox. Thanks for joining us, Anna. Thanks so much for having me. Let's talk about an interesting subject here, something that I've been wondering about a lot. You know, as we've gone through the pandemic, hopefully we're getting out of the pandemic on the other side of things now. And we've done a lot of stories about our kids, our students going to school and how that's impacted them, how it's disrupted them. But what about the younger kids, the infants, the toddlers, the preschoolers, those that have kind of gone through a lot of these crucial years of early development during this time of heavy isolation, a lot of confusion back and forth, mask wearing, right? A lot of people were pointing to masks as uh, not being able to uh, look at facial features, things like that. And how these kids are adapting to life, you know, like, as I mentioned, through the pandemic and coming out of it. Anna, you wrote a piece, you were following some kids at a school, uh, very young kids, and just kind of exploring this whole notion. So tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, that's right. I really wanted to look into this for a couple of reasons. Um, One, as you say, we've focused a lot as journalists, and I've written a lot of stories about school-age kids and sort of some of the impacts of remote school. But we really just know less about kids who are younger than five, who haven't necessarily been in public school, who, you know, have faced a really different and much more sort of patchwork picture over the last few years. And then I'm also the parent of a four-year-old. So I was just curious, how has this been affecting his age group? I mean, something I've noticed with him is that... This is just the water he swims in. I mean, he doesn't really question wearing a mask because he doesn't remember a time when we didn't. So what does that mean? You know, is this that good or bad? And and sort of kids in his age group, what has changed for them versus kids who were growing up five years ago? Totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, you just said it there. You went through it very personally. I mean, that's that you lived through this part of it very intimately. And you're right, just going back briefly to school age kids and what's going on since their return, right? It's a period of two and a half years of constant disruption. And we heard a lot, a lot of teachers, a lot of parents, administrators saying, well, we see them emotionally stunted almost. Uh, You know, we're seeing a lot of fights with people. They don't know how to interact with each other. So now bring that back down to our younger children. And then, you know, the, the picture is a lot more unclear. From what we've seen from some studies and whatnot, we're looking at uh, measures of motor skills, social development, that it seems like they have taken a hit. Although, by and large, everybody says that kids are so resilient, they will bounce back from this. But tell us a little bit about what some of the research has said so far. Yeah, it's interesting. So definitely researchers agree, you know, researchers and people who work with children all agree that the first three, the first five years are just so, so important for um, your brain development, for your cognitive development, your development as a person. These are really crucial times when you're sort of forming a lot of your skills and a lot of who you are. And so a lot of folks were concerned what's it going to be like for kids who during this time have been much more isolated than they ordinarily would be. And they weren't able to do a lot of things that people might have taken for granted. I mean, as a parent, I think about just like how long it was when my kid didn't go to the grocery store. 
you know, and like you think of that as a small thing, but there's just dozens of things like that. So what does that mean? Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, we don't have standardized test scores for this group, so we can't look to that. But we've seen researchers do other sorts of tests of development that you can do on babies and young children. And some of them have found some concerning things. Spoke to one researcher who had seen when she and her team looked at babies who were born during the pandemic versus babies who'd been born before, you know, found some differences in terms of motor skills, found some differences in terms of sort of personal social skills. So, you know, there was some sense that just being a baby born at this time, and to be clear, this wasn't like babies whose mothers had necessarily gotten COVID while they were pregnant. It was just based on the time that they were born. But it did have some impact. You know, and then I talked also just kind of qualitatively to teachers and administrators at the school that I visited um, and to parents. And they, they definitely notice, you know, they notice changes, especially the teacher who works with four and five-year-olds, saw a lot of speech delays. She was concerned also just about there's a lot of thinking around just how kids learn and how they learn in a social environment and how they learn to be part of a society and how important that can be in this sort of intangible way for all their other types of learning. And these are kids who kind of like weren't part of a society for a little while or they were part of a really tiny society. So, you know, I think educators do have concerns about this. I mean, to to that point, right, you're talking about the smaller things, the visits to the grocery store. Uh, You know, a lot lot of the kids, uh, uh, teachers you spoke to when they're talking to the kids are saying, well, have you been to the beach? Have you been to the library? And there's a lot of no in these kids' lives. And to that point, right, the, the attitudes and the interactions that people had during the pandemic were totally different. Yeah, have to practice the social distancing, the mask wearing. You know, there wasn't a very open thing. It was a very much like if you went out in the public, you're doing what you got to do. You're getting back inside because you're, you're scared, right? You're scared of getting sick and kids are sponges. They're picking those little nuances up. So you know, how does that affect them as they do go back into school in person? And there's so many questions, right? That's kind of one of the the difficult things, as you mentioned, there's no standardized test for any of this stuff. It's all very much a lot of questions and how things will bear out. Now, some of the people did say, some of the experts said, it's not all bad. This was another point where kids were able to spend a lot more time with family. You know, obviously, if the the home situation was was good, but, you know, it strengthens those bonds. So, I mean, there are some positives that could have come out of this as well. Yeah, I think, you know, I spoke to a a neuroscientist named uh, Mariah Thomason, and I thought she was really illuminating in terms of talking about, you know, yes, we have concerns. Yes, kids, like really across the age spectrum, need support right now. But at the same time, we shouldn't assume that this was just like completely like, these are just completely lost years for children. And it's true that pretty much every time you speak to a family, and, you know, I've done this a lot for my work, you know, you ask like, well, I know this is a terrible time. We never would have wished for this pandemic to happen, but is there any silver lining? Almost everyone will say, I spent more time with my kids. We spent more time together as a family. And so, you know, and, and there are real cognitive benefits to that. It's not just like nice, you know, although it can, it can be nice. So I think it's important to see like, you know, this is a generation of kids that has had unique challenges, but they've also had some unique benefits. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you you made mention in the article too. You know, you don't want to qual- uh, just classify these kids as some type of lost generation and dismiss them, right? They're going to need help. They're going to need services. A lot of people are pointing to counseling, speech therapy, other support. 
And when we look at those things, right, they often cost money. A lot of times schools don't have the adequate resources to provide that as well. So um, when we're looking at uh, our, uh, you know, boys uh, get affected by this a little bit more sometimes and then low income families again. So those are other things that we need to watch out for, for these younger kids that have grown up through the pandemic like that. Yeah, everybody I spoke to really underlined, um, you know, the importance of looking at inequality here. And I think for parents who have a little bit of financial means and who have the time, they're able to sort of see like, okay, you know, where is my kid struggling? How can I maybe get them therapy? How can I, you know, potentially they have the financial means to be able to pay for that out of pocket or they have the health insurance to pay for it. But lower income families, they don't always have they don't always have that in a lot of cases, you know, the services that their kids get come through the school. And so there's a real need for funding those services. And those services were underfunded before the pandemic started. Schools were underfunded before the pandemic started. And those problems have really gotten worse because a lot of speech therapy, things like this just weren't happening during lockdown. So everybody's playing catch up. There's more demand than ever. You know, everybody really talks about just this incredible increased need, and especially for kids who don't have a lot of financial resources in their family. Uh, Still, a lot of the experts, as we've been talking about, say they don't think these will be lifelong problems. Kids are so resilient. And by and large, right, most almost all schools now are in person again. So there is that time to rebuild all that. Uh, I know you followed a lot of kids and went to a lot of different schools and and, and kind of seen what was going on, spoke to a lot of parents and teachers, uh, just observing all that. Uh, How did you see the kids? How did you see the youngest of them and the way they interact now? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, at the at the preschool that I visited, I was struck, you know, it's interesting that people, researchers have had these concerns and teachers have had these concerns because there also was the sense when I was in that preschool classroom that things are pretty normal. You know, these are, were kids who were interacting with each other. They were kids who were playing and having fun. They were kids who were like squabbling and arguing the way kids squabble and argue and like making up the way kids make up. So it's not I don't want to overstate any of this and say, you know, kids don't know how to be kids anymore or they don't know how to play together anymore because that's not true. And I think it's wonderful to see, you know, what educators are doing with kids and how they're sort of helping them get back into the world. I think the message of resiliency is really important. And, you know, if anything, I think what we should take from this is, yes, these youngest kids might need some help in terms of making up for things that they've lost. But that help is really valuable and they can get back on track and they can really bounce back from this. That's a great way to put it. And I appreciate that you said that, right? Uh, The pandemic has been nothing but a series of disruptions, you know, obviously health-wise and others, but a series of disruptions and and everybody's looking forward to getting back to that normalcy, whatever that could be. It might not even be the same anymore. But when it comes to our kids, as you mentioned, getting them those services, helping them the right way, that's going to, is what's going to bring them all back, back to as much normal as we can. Anna North, Senior Correspondent at Vox, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. That's it for today. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far 
I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.